welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast taking you backstage and behind the scenes with musicians and people from all around the music industry. Your host, Tiana Speeder here. Thank you for tuning in. We are up to episode three of Behind the Soundcheck's second season. Last episode, I spent some time with Ro from I Built the Sky ahead of the release of his beautiful new album, The Quiet Place Away, which is an acoustic progressive metal-ish album with a twist. If you listen to that episode, that will all make more sense. Definitely go give that one a spin if you missed it, as well as episode one of season two with the sensational Jacob Lee. And there's also an entire 10 episode season for season one as well. If you need more things to listen to while you're driving, cleaning, avoiding conversation, whatever you're up to, I'm stoked to be with you. But without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. There's a reason why some bands continue to enjoy enduring success and adoration year after year and decade after decade. For some, it's simply because they refuse to stop and continually stick around until you have no choice but to notice them. For others, their craft, output and innovation change the musical landscape well beyond expectation, shaping genres for future generations and cultivating legions of fans along the way. And one such band in the latter category is none other than Australia's very own metal trailblazers, Sunk Loto. Sunk Loto is a band name you are likely to know whether or not you grew up in the alternative craze late 90s and early 2000s. A group of teenagers from the Gold Coast formed in the late 90s, signed a record deal with Sony while they were still in their teens, found themselves thrust into the limelight playing Home Bake, Big Day Out and Livid Festivals, all while churning out a revolutionary sound. The band's grunge meets new metal meets rap, hard rock and beyond blaze the trail for eclectic genre defiance, wholeheartedly embracing their Australianism at their core and single-handedly providing a musical escape and a gateway for their own generation. On the surface, all seemed like a fairy tale as the group grew into their ambitious sound and they cemented their status as musical legends via their 2003 game-changing album Between Birth and Death which followed their debut full-length in 2000 called Big Picture Lies. Going on to grace Teen Girls magazines and armed with what has routinely been described as one of the best metal albums in the entire Aussie history, thanks to Between Birth and Death, world domination could only surely follow, yes? But as we know, 2007 brought the devastating news that Sun Clodo were hanging up their hats amid rumblings of professional turmoil both in and beyond the band. But fast forward to 2022 and the sudden reappearance of images and social media posts online sparked a frenzy and it all resulted in the incredible confirmation and announcement that Sun Clodo were indeed returning after 15 long years away from stages to perform once more. A dream for fans finally come true at long last, but a decision that wasn't taken lightly by the band themselves. With a bunch of shows in the pipeline and the possibility of new music alongside it, For today's episode, I grabbed Sunk Loto's very own Jason Brown and Luke McDonald to chat reuniting, live show memories and their own musical gateways. Join me now with some of Australia's absolute finest. Here we go. Well, I have Jason and Luke from Sunk Loto joining me now. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast and welcome back Sunk Loto in general. 15 years in the making, we're all a little bit older. Some may be, may be a bit wiser. I'm not sure if I'm actually one of them, but tell me, <laughs> you know, now that these shows have been announced and everyone is collectively losing their minds out there that you guys are back, 
Can you talk me through when the plans for these shows actually first sprang to life? Like when did all of this solidify and you realized Sun Clodo were actually back together officially? Um, I'd have to say like when we pretty much when we had our first jam, um, yeah, well, the first time we ran through some of the songs after 15 years and we just looked at each other and burst out into laughter because it was so tight after 15 years. And I felt like, I think we even joked like, okay, boys, we're going to get on stage now and play some yeah. shows. It was, yeah, it was literally I, that soon. I'm still pinching myself every time I rehearse at the moment. Like, it's like, is this really happening? And how do we sound so good when we're getting older? <laughs> but, oh, it's like a fine wine. You're aging like a fine wine, <laughs> musically yeah, and personally. You. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Um, so tell me that moment you guys kind of did step into the rehearsal space and played a Sun Clodo song all together. Oh, that's my other question is what song it was. But can you tell me what that moment was like for you guys individually? Like, did you have like that flow moment where it all just kind of kicked in and you didn't really know what was happening or were you really aware that it was something really special all of a sudden just from that first moment? Yeah, I think the first song we played was Primitive. Was that right, Loki? Yeah, I think it was Primitive, yeah. I think it was Primitive, yeah. Yes, um, yes. And it was just like, I was just so pumped. Like I was just going crazy in the jam room, just like I was on stage again. And it was just, in one way, it was like that dream state is this happening? But in one way it was like, you know, just getting straight back into it. Like, you know, it, it's felt like nothing had sort of changed in a, in a weird, strange way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's with those kind of things, I guess I said to someone previously, I was chatting to, it's not so much the path of least resistance. It's just when stuff feels right. I personally sometimes get a bit skeptical about it, but when it's something creative and it feels like that, you kind of, have to go with it like it's like life's just telling you like this is what you're kind of meant to be doing so it's exciting to see that and not only that but tell me about the reaction from the fans like obviously the fans are still here absolutely losing their shit as I said at the start like how does it feel to resume this journey and have these people here ready and willing to come on this next adventure with you guys it's just incredible it's it really is um I had a feeling um just based off the comments over the years and speaking to fans on social media that if we came back, it would be, it would be bigger and better. Um, and it has been, it really has been. The fans have really done it for us. They've made it easy on us. Um, the shows have sold out really fast. And um, the great thing is that First and foremost, the band's on fire. So it's it's super exciting because we're going to get to play to, to large audiences and we're really going to put on the best performances of our life. Yeah, we must have the most patient fan base <laughs> in the world <laughs> to yeah. wait 15 years and be like, I, I swear our fan base has tripled in size. Like, mm. it's just, it's so cool. Yeah, I can't believe they waited this long and they're still... They was they were just waiting for this to happen. I almost can't believe it. Well, mm. it's interesting too because you guys have obviously had other things happen along the way, and there's been other projects happening. Like, how exciting mm. is it? like? It's almost like now you don't have to hear people requesting some Clodo <laughs> songs when you're doing a solo set or you're doing something, you know, an electric horse set or something like that. Like, you can actually be like, no, we're actually doing a song Clodo set now. So, are you going to troll people and like bring in some solo stuff potentially in the set list? What's yeah. going on with the yeah, talk? Yeah, Let's yeah. talk set list. Sure. I was actually yeah. thinking that. <laughs> Um, yep, so is yep. it is the set list set in stone or is it still in motion? Like how 
enjoyable or challenging has that procedure been given it's been a little bit of time now since we've been down this path? Mm, it's been um it's been a lot of fun curating the set and it's it's the biggest set we've ever played i'm I'm sure of it yeah. um and yeah it's uh, we've just nailed the selection in my belief just it's a perfect sort of uh you know like sort of start to finish of, of what we've done over our career and um yeah i just i can't i think people are going to be pretty surprised with some of the songs we actually sneak in there but they're just all every song, like one after another, just stacks up brilliantly next to it's as strong as the last song. Yes, this is very exciting. I'm secretly very excited because you are so kind and you're starting off the entire run on in my hometown on the Gold Coast, not just my hometown. Obviously, you guys have a very strong connection to it as well. But <laughs> I guess jumping off that, I don't want to pry too much, but are there any secret mm. hidden surprises lying in wait? Like what can we expect from a 2022 Sunk Lodo show? Or what can you reveal before everything kicks off? Well, we are, I think we are now um, going to play uh, Jaded. So this is a song that didn't make it onto Between Birth and Death. I kind of discovered it a couple of years ago and I was I couldn't believe we didn't put it on the record. I remember like we, I remember we decided not to put it on the album, um, but we did have so many songs, nearly three albums worth of material. Uh, we still have a lot of these demos um, laying around almost to the point where we could come together and go, okay, this song, this song, this song, and go into a studio next week and record it and put it out. Kind of like what System of a Down did with um, Toxicity and Steal This Album. But to get back to your question, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rabbit trail. No, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, the, um, the song Jaded, it's one of the best songs I've ever personally heard in my life and I'm eager for the fans to hear it. And I'm very glad because we actually decided uh, at the last jam uh, a couple of days ago that we are going to perform this song. And... Um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to the reaction from the crowd, from the audience and the fans. I'm hoping they're going to feel it and love it. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a world, world first premiere if we yeah. if we do end up playing it, which, I, like I say, I think we've almost decided that we are. Um, imagine if it just turned out to be a whole set list of just brand new songs. Like that would be almost the <laughs> ultimate thing if we have that much material. <laughs> we, we could literally play like, you know, 30 songs of, stuff we never released if we wanted to but yeah mm. maybe yeah. save that we can save that for another time i'm sure there's plenty of other <laughs> things in between we can do but i know like it's kind of fitting because correct me if i'm wrong i believe that the last show you guys played together as a band collectively was at the hard rock cafe in surface paradise so you're kind of returning full circle finishing on the gold coast seemingly forever kicking off again on the gold coast like that's kind of an awesome little thing like did you mm. have any inkling earlier on in that is that you wanted to come back? Like how much of this was really in the works? Like was it something that was always on the cards even though we kind of felt like you were never, ever getting back together to quote Taylor Swift to sign Clodo? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't. Uh, there was a very long time where I, I wasn't sure if it was ever going to happen. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, to be honest, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen, especially the past couple of years. And that's why it's been such a nice surprise for everyone when everyone did finally come to the table. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the fact that we're playing on the Gold Coast was just a happy accident, really. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a crazy little show. Yes. 
tight, tight yeah. pack. And I hope there's riot police on standby. <laughs> yep, Burley, Burley police are on standby. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> and obviously the question that inevitably dangles on everyone's lips anytime a band does return is, you know, that of new music. And I know you guys kind of mentioned as well, there is a lot of material, but I wanted to ask in terms of like the new tunes, like given how much expectation was overriding some Clodo releases, like back in the day when you were really in that full swing in the first time round, how does it feel to be able to create and release in your own time and in your own way moving forward? Like, is is it feeling mm. like it's a brand new band at this point, even though it's obviously still the same yeah. essence? Yeah, yeah. I think um, if we if if everything goes well and we decide to continue on, I mean, the thing is, we we got to take it one day at a time, kind of, because again, we're we're kind of in the baby stage of this. But if everything goes well and the way that we're hoping it will go we will make another record and it will be the best sunk Lodo record that anyone has ever heard. It will be uh, basically a mix of everything we've done in the past, but taken to a higher level. Um, I just feel like, especially because we've had 15 years off as well, if we were to write another record, we would just explode with material and we've already been working on different things. Um, I'm very confident in our abilities. We've actually grown as humans and musicians in the last 15 years, even though we haven't um, been uh, releasing music in this outfit together. Do you want to expand on that, Jess? Yeah, it definitely feels like a bit of a rebirth for us, like as far as a band goes. It's like we're just walking back into this amazing back catalogue um, and, you know, all these projects we've worked on, we've, we've still stayed active as musicians and songwriters with our own projects. And, um, yeah, I just feel the time is right. It, like Luke says, if it all goes well to, to start working on something that is more mature, more mm. a better version of, of who we are with, with that retrospect. Yeah, well, and not to harp on too much down memory lane, but given obviously you guys came up in quite a prolific time and went on to become a very prolific band for a lot of people, I guess you've played so many shows, you've played so many small stages, big stages, festival crowds, all of that, but for each of you, what's a core memory from a live show or an on-the-road moment that you will absolutely never forget? Like, is there one that just springs to mind that may make your personal memoirs one day? Yeah, um, I think, like, gaining respect of bands like, um, you know, at a young age, Suicidal Tendencies, were, that was one of the first big Australian tours we did. And they invited us on a stage to sort of sing with them at, in, mm. in, in Melbourne. That was pretty <laughs> amazing. That, that will always stick in my memory. Um, and I think Joe, the bass player from Grinspoon, was there. We were all like yeah. gang vocals with Suicidals. Oh, was my awesome. God. Was cool. Yeah, that was really um, cool. And then, yeah, again, when Seven Dust, like sort of as a show of appreciation after mm. this show, they were invited us all on stage just to thank us. It was just such a huge gesture. beautiful. Never forget those sort of things. Now mm. it's like the ultimate hat tip um, to, a, to another band to – bring you on stage and thank you in front of a sold out crowd is beautiful yeah mm. any extras for you luke or do they sum it up um, pretty well <laughs> yeah oh, of course i mean things like that are again it's like stepping into a dream you just can't believe it's happening especially you're just so grateful to be on tour with other bands and just to be playing shows and and be given this opportunity um for me though that my favorite tour that i ever did was the big day out 2001 that was just yeah i don't know if it's something about it was just so special um 
Yeah. And I think the band was just on fire. Massive, massive festival crowds. You can't go past those shows. They're just... Oh, especially in that era? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you know, getting getting up in front of, like, 20,000, 30,000 people. It's just... It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I know Mo's is quite a small crowd, but I feel like it's going to feel like a festival room when you kick in there and then going on to everywhere else. It's going to feel like it. nothing's changed. But um, I know you guys touched on meeting, you know, your idols and having all of that happen. What I find Mm -hmm. interesting is like you guys yourselves, I don't, I know obviously it's very difficult to self-label yourself as an idol or an icon, but you guys did go on to influence and pave the way for so many iconic bands, Australian and international and all of that. And for me personally, you you guys were also a bridge for me into heavier, quote unquote, (laughs) heavier sounds. Like I actually didn't even know it existed. I was, you know, Metallica, I dabbled in here and there, but when I heard you guys, you were like the first authentic full-blown band where I was like, oh my God, I love heavy music. And then because of you guys, I found like Mr. Bungle, like Mike Patton, lifelong connection to all of that. (laughs) And like looking from the outside, like it seems so fluid and effortless, but can you tell me like, what is the biggest lesson that you guys learned in those really early Sun Cloto years that's extended into who you guys are as bandmates and as artists now? Um, Just to to try and be professional, you know, Um, I was very, very unprofessional. Back in those days, I was a the uh, just a cliche kind of you know like just drinking and drugs and everything else you know um, and yeah I think now just trying to be more professional and um, yeah just just making the right choices off stage and on stage if that makes sense. Jace, yeah. did you want to expand on that? Yeah, I think um, it, it taught me, like, it was a crazy time for, like, an introverted young guy um, to, to be sort of, like, insane attention put on you <laughs> and sort of, like, going to shopping centres and getting, like, hassled. And it, for someone that was struggling with, you know, anxiety and being an introvert, that was tough. But mm. at the same time, like, I knew that would probably come across as, like, I didn't want to know about people. So, uh, you know it taught me to sort of re-engage with people and push past that sort of anxiety and um, standoffishness and have more appreciation for the fans and give that back to them on a personal level when they would come up to me and want to talk. It's a big call, especially like you guys were so young. Like it's easy to forget how young you were when you did kick off all of this and to come from this now and how fascinating too, like so many so many people I speak to in this industry, like everyone seems to be an introvert, but yet everyone's found a home in something that's very front facing and very public. So it's really <laughs> fascinating to see that, but it's also a good, good to know that you can kind of learn and grow from that too. So it's very inspirational, yeah. but given that you, you guys were a gateway band for myself, I would love to turn it over to you guys. I'm dying to know who were some of your own personal gateway bands that led you to being here decades into a very storied career and one of the most important Aussie bands in this history, basically. Yeah. Um, for me, like it's all started sort of, with, well, from a very young age, it was Michael Jackson and John Farnham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're my earliest musical influence that I can remember on tape in the, in the early eighties and then sort of moved into to Guns N' Roses and then, um, and then it was Pantera and then it was Rage Against the Machine and it sort of just went from mm. there and that's, yeah, and then bands like Sepultura got me into even harder stuff. And, yeah, I guess that's 
Faith No More were probably a big thing that sort of made me realise that you can be really heavy and really abrasive, mm. but combine melody and and an alternative spin mm. on a on a heavy sound. And I think um, you know that's what you probably hear, and especially between birth and death, is that mm. um, you know abrasive heaviness meets alternative sort of music ideas. It's not so straight down the line heavy. Yeah, here, here, you've just named like nearly everyone on my current playlist, but I haven't moved on from all of those apparently. <laughs> what about you, Luke? Um, I was very spoilt because I was the youngest in the family and my mother, my father, my sisters, they all had great taste in music. So it started with like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, um, but it was everything. It was like Billy Joel, Elton John, Electric Light Orchestra. Um, so all this old stuff, you know, The Who um, and Queen and just everything because my dad was a musician, um, Brad. And then it went, my sisters then brought in all the cool stuff, the other cool stuff like The Doors, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Faith No More, um, Nirvana, Guns and Roses, just everything. And I would steal their tapes when they weren't at home from their, their rooms and, and go and listen to the tapes. And, um, yeah, I just evolved from there into everything. Everything that we listened to, Radiohead, Bungle, uh, Bjork, Jeff Buckley, everything. You know what I mean? And, yeah, I just feel very um, – I have a lot of gratitude being able to grow up in the 90s um and yeah like being born in the 80s and then growing up through the 90s and then later i went back and discovered other stuff you know uh the pogues and yeah i just i, I love it all man i i love it all it's all good you know any any style of music anything if, if it's good it's good i don't care mm -hmm. what it is you know yep um and now you know i love johnny cash and just i could just go on and on but i'll shut up now because i'm <laughs> waffling on no Sorry. i love it and i think that's the thing is like all the gatekeeping of like it, you don't have to just like one type of music like everything's open for everyone and i think Portishead, one... they're great too oh you yes know? yes again <laughs> I mean, like... I, I just, i've just got a theory as long as it's good it doesn't matter what style it is it's exactly as as it's good, i really don't care like i find myself these days listening to like modern day classical artists mm. like Max Richter and Johan Johansson it's just totally off the wall sort of stuff but yeah mm -hmm. yeah I think you got to keep your you got to be open-minded with so many things and it's just so exciting to have so much out there and you guys are going to be yet another part of it moving forward whatever happens next it's just so exciting to have you back have you playing and to have been able to spend some time chatting with you today so thank you Jason and Luke from Sunk Lodo Here's to a killer rest of 2022, and I can't wait to have my face melted off at all the upcoming shows. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you. you thank you. A giant thank you to Jason and Luke for their time today, and it won't be long before fans can catch these absolute musical titans live in action when they kickstart their tour on Friday the 29th of July. They'll be kicking off at Moe's Desert Clubhouse on the Gold Coast that night. And at the time of this recording, four out of five of the Sun Clodo shows are sold out, there are still a few tickets left for that extra Brisbane show at the Triffid on Saturday, 30th of July. But don't sleep on those because I'm assuming they will snap up super quickly. And wouldn't it be nice to say that I was a little bit off the mark and it's already sold out by the time this episode goes to air. For Sun Clodo information, you can visit Sun Clodo Official on Facebook and Instagram. And at these upcoming shows with Sun Clodo, you'll also be able to catch The Last Martyr and Osaka Punch as supports. And speaking of Osaka Punch, 
Behind the Soundcheck's theme music is courtesy of none other than Osaka Punch themselves. The track is called Hall of Shame, and that may be one of the smoothest segues of all time to plug that theme song, but you can check out more Osaka Punch info at www.osakapunch.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. These episodes in season two are pretty casually released at the moment as I travel into the remaining months of 2022, but definitely keep your eyes and ears out for new episodes in the not too distant future. For now, it's been a pleasure spending time with you and I can't wait to hang out again next time.